Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 136, Honoring Our Cycles. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world. Welcome. It's lovely to have you here with me today. And I hope that your life is becoming easier as some of the lockdowns are going away. We're starting to appreciate being around each other, enjoying each other's company. Today, I'm going to talk about our cycles. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Various things I heard or experienced have made me try to bring all of these ideas together. First, I want to say, if you think this year is going very fast, it is. And one of the reasons is that Jupiter, that spends a year usually in each sign, has dashed through Aquarius and is about to go into Pisces. Now it's going to come back into Aquarius again, but that sense of something rushing through has been part of, I think, of why these last few months have gone very fast. So the idea of a Jupiter, Jupiter is about expansion, exaggeration in Aquarius, moving out, new ideas, communities I will speak about. I think it has something to do also with the ideas of let's go to Mars, let's go and do something, let's, let's spread ourselves out. And it feels, I don't know if you're feeling the same way, I'm just catching my breath. Now, as Jupiter goes into Pisces, just for, from about the middle of May until the end of July, we get that sense of even greater expansion because Pisces is all about unlimitedness, creativity. In some ways, it's less concerned with the individual. It's more about unity, coming together, but not unity as in a sense of let's all do the same things, but there's an unlimited potential. It's called love. So Jupiter in Pisces is about love. It's about how we experience each other. And we haven't been there for the last 12 years. So you could look back 12 years and wonder what was going on then in your own life. But it feels that there is this sense of we need to come together. And I know people talk about unity, but you've heard me say that the future is about unity through the acceptance of diversity. And we need much more of that acceptance. And so once again, I would say it's about where do we have things in common rather than where do we see differences? Because only when we can come together can we then start to accept other differences? That might sound strange, but the way in which we meet with others is finding points of common interest, common unity. And when we do that, we resonate. And then we can accept the things that are different. Those pieces of jigsaw coming together, maybe just on one meeting. But the fact is, it's that unity we need to find. We need to find what unites us. What's common? And I see that in women. Now, last time I spoke about women's power and how it can sometimes be misused. It can sometimes be very emotional. It can sometimes be subtle or under the surface. 
But when women do come together and they lay aside their competitiveness and their criticism of each other, oh my goodness, there's no stopping that female energy. And that includes men, feminine energy. But that feminine energy is always there about to unite, to bring together, to protect. And so I'm watching as women are coming together in especially in the need to say, this is what I want for my children in the future. And then men are supporting them or alongside them or have the same voice. But when women want to fight for their children, there's absolutely no stopping them. And I can see that happening, whether it's your children, your grandchildren. So I see this tremendous movement of, as Jupiter goes into Pisces, not just about females, women, but about the feminine, the feminine uniting in what do we see as possible for the next seven generations. And we're also going to see Saturn start going retrograde also in May. That will happen till October. And that will slow everything down even more. Saturn in Aquarius is perhaps I've mentioned how Aquarius is about coming together in communities. Saturn is laying, I think, stronger foundations for that to happen, not just ideas that fizzle out. It's like, where is your heart? Where is your energy? So you may be feeling, I really want to do something. And I think there's going to be more energy for that to happen. Where can I be useful in my life? And it may well be that your life has changed over the last two years and circumstances are different and you have time on your hands or you're not doing so much of one thing and you're ready for something new. And that ready for something new may just be in your own life. You, you know, I've been waiting to do this unusual thing in my life because Aquarius is about being unusual, being metaphysical. So where is something waiting to be born? And I've spoken about that before. And it does relate to my subject, which is all about cycles. So it's like we're, we're going into new cycles inside ourselves. We went through the, the caterpillar stage, being thrown into the cocoon, and we grieved, and we got depressed, and we angered, and we blamed. And now we're in that place where it's okay. I think we all agree we're not going to go back to the old normal. And we don't really want to know what the new normal is going to look like because we're birthing it. But it is giving us space at this time to say, what would give me enjoyment? What's been waiting for my time? It's almost like that cycle is coming around. And maybe that's why I was thinking about Jupiter in Pisces. Every 12 years, we get this collective energy about something that's been invisible, making it visible, something that is so creative that it's just been that little idea in your mind, but now it's going to happen. So really just get on board with that, that idea, I suggest. And, and why did I really want to talk about cycles as well? Just before I go into the, very, the, the other part of the deeper part that I was going to talk about, which connects to the new moon that's coming up in Taurus on the 11th of May, I just wanted to mention something that's happening both around the vaccine, i.e. people who have been vaccinated and people who haven't. And some of you may have heard this, but there's an increasing number of women who are experiencing menstrual disorders or menstrual issues or menstrual disturbance, both if they've been vaccinated and if they're around someone who's been vaccinated but they're not vaccinated. 
Now, this is so unusual, so out of the blue that we're we're saying, well, how can you find your menstrual cycle being disturbed just by being next door to someone who is vaccinated or standing next to them? But it's occurring at such a rate now that there are thousands of women around the world who are saying, yes, that's happened to me. Yes, I'm bleeding at times when I wouldn't have bled or my bleed is longer or I haven't had a period when I thought I would. But for women to have a disturbed menstrual cycle tends to make me think that something's not just affecting the ovaries, et cetera, but really affecting the main gland, which is, of course, the pituitary and the hypothalamus. And so we're waiting to see what happens here. I also believe that, um, you know, I've been looking at the women who have had blood clots. I would love to know if those young women who have had blood clots after the vaccine were on the pill or on some form of estrogen, estrogen, progesterone patch, injection, etc. Because we all know that one of the side effects of estrogen or the pill has been blood clots, a thickening of the blood, a tendency towards blood clotting. And I'm just wondering if there's some interaction happening here between the vaccine and uh, the, the estrogen. And, and I believe that may be true. Now, again, observation, please. You can come back and you can say this is rubbish, but please don't say it's rubbish unless you have something else to put in its place because it's so easy just to say that. I'd love to hear from anybody who may have another uh, view of this from their own personal experience or a scientific view. But we have to start to build these observations. And if we're going to move forward with this, we have to understand what's happening to people. And this unusual bleeding that's happening with people who uh, still have a menstrual cycle or may even just have estrogen in their system, there's something going on here. And um, I think you're going to see more and more reported about this. And this is why I called this podcast about cycles, because it felt like it was important to look at these cycles. So my next piece of this is about looking at Earth cycles, because the new moon on Taurus, Taurus is all about nature and the Earth and the bodies that are all coming together, is where is there a disturbance in the Earth cycles? And I was listening to Dr. Zach Bush, that some of you may have heard, on the high wire, Del Bigtree's high wire. And you may have heard him talk on many other shows because he has a wonderful eloquence about his, his knowledge, which is extraordinarily large. And he was talking about the cycles between carbon dioxide and oxygen and, and how this cycle flows. And I have to say, it's quite a few years since I've looked at the photosynthesis and even you know, more years until I remembered going back and thinking, okay, what does this mean to me? What do I take into my body? So I, I have been looking it up and I've been questioning myself. So the idea is that first of all, we need to understand that we and all the organic matter on this planet is carbon-based. We have a carbon-based planet. So anything that has life force in it, usually has carbon. And in, as humans, our main four elements are, excuse me, uh, minerals or, or elements, yes, chemical elements, are carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen. 
Can you remember that? I, I had to kind of check with myself. And on top of that, you have calcium and phosphorus. And first of all, water, as you know, takes up a lot of our mass. 70% of us have, uh, is, our mass is water, H2O. And then about 18% is made up of carbon. And that comes in many different forms. And then nitrogen. So the carbon is so many parts of us that I think we don't always appreciate where that carbon is. We could say there's calcium and there's carbon in the bones. We might say that in hair. But carbon and nitrogen and oxygen are also very important in the proteins. So what is a protein? A protein is a collection of amino acids. What's an amino acid? It's made up of those four elements that I've just talked about. So what is a protein? A protein is everything. <laughs> As I say, it's my hair, my skin, my organs, and also my enzymes, my catalytic, catalytic enzymes, my nervous system. Really, the whole structure of our beingness is protein-based. And proteins are amino acids, and amino acids are made up of carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, nitrogen oxygen. So to say that we need to, if I, I where I started with this was when we're looking at reducing carbon emissions, I understand what is being said, because that's really saying we need to reduce the carbon emissions that are coming from the oil and gas companies, but we are carbon. So it's, we must never think we're going to get rid of carbon, nor must we get rid of oxygen. We would die. So this idea of carbon isn't something, we must not look at this as something negative. Carbon, carbon monoxide can be poisonous in the wrong amount. Carbon dioxide can be difficult, but so can water, and so can oxygen. We used to give children preterm babies 100% oxygen, think it would be fine. Well, we cause blindness. We don't want or need 100% oxygen. In fact, it kills us. So we need to understand that when we're talking about let's reduce carbon emissions, we are the emitters. We breathe out carbon dioxide. And why do we do that? Because it's part of our cycle. It's part of who we are. And so I started to look at, first of all, what happens in this cycle, the cycle between us and the plant kingdoms and other kingdoms that absorb carbon dioxide. So the plant absorbs the sunlight through the chlorophyll and that sunlight transforms the carbon dioxide into energy. The byproduct is oxygen, which it then releases. There is also in that plant, it produces carbohydrate. We know that as different forms of either starches or sugars. So the plant is able to absorb the sunlight, the light, with the use of carbon dioxide in order to meet its own need of energy. We take that oxygen, we take it inside ourselves, and we then use that oxygen and a carbohydrate or a fat product in order to convert those products into light, into energy for us. And we then release carbon dioxide. So then that carbon dioxide goes to the plants. And that is the cycle. 
So the plants absorb the sunlight so that they can create energy. And by eating the plants, we then release that sunlight into our bodies and we create carbon dioxide for the, the plants. It is a beautiful cycle. And this is a reason for us needing to be able to eat the carbon, the carbohydrates, etc. But there will be a time where we don't need to eat those plants. We can literally absorb that light directly from the plants. And I've talked about that, how sometimes we can be in nature and we can just feel alive and we can feel our energy rising because we are now resonating directly with the plant kingdom. That makes sense? So we want to be able to get to the point where we can absorb that light from the plant kingdom and of course, just absorb it directly from the sun. But at this moment, we are continuing this cycle where the plants provide us with energy, we provide the plants with energy as well. This is the cycle of carbon dioxide, oxygen. Now, what Zach Bush is saying is that that is okay, but a larger area of carbon is taken out of the atmosphere by the mycelial, the fungal networks that run beneath our feet. And I actually see that there's a company that's creating mycelial bombs, they call them, where you can spray onto your lawn this fungal uh, energy that doesn't destroy the lawn, but the fungus actually goes into the soil beneath your lawn. And it becomes then a way in which the carbon dioxide is taken into the soil. And so more carbon will be absorbed. Because what he says is that up till about the 1970s, the balance between the carbon, carbon emissions and the ability for the earth to absorb that carbon was in balance. But he said, once we started using pesticides and killing off, or the fungicides, killing off the mycelia, killing off the earth's own biomass, the, there wasn't enough ability, enough photosynthesis occurring, and so the carbon, the carbon has built up. And that made sense to me. So one of his jobs has been to actually go and talk to the farmers and try and get them to not plow every field at the end of a season. Because in plowing the fields, they're actually disturbing this network. They're disturbing everything that's happening within the earth. And therefore, it's breaking down the ability for the earth to absorb this carbon. Made sense to me. Of course, the use of pesticides and et cetera is not helping. And so there's so much more about us all growing our own gardens. Uh, whatever you can do to a lawn, a lawn takes up a lot of water, but a lawn can also be a source of creating more vibrancy beneath that lawn. I just got excited by the fact that we, we don't need to be constantly looking at what's wrong with the carbon dioxide, we need to find sources that allow the plant kingdom to actually work with this. Now, that does that mean that I think we shouldn't have carbon emissions from oil and gas? And I would say, 
yes, it would be wonderful if we actually knew and remembered how to use the external or the eternal energy that's beneath our feet, which is, is always there. I'm not convinced at the moment that we have the ability to store enough energy in wind or solar. We don't have the batteries at the moment to do that. Maybe we will. But I also want to say that when anybody says to me we need to get rid of oil and gas, I don't know if you know how many products are out in our world that rely on that industry. When I receive a parcel from Amazon, the styrofoam, the plastics, my toothpaste, my facial creams, my cosmetics, nearly every, my plastic, maybe clothes I wear, the, the nanoparticles, the nanoplastics now that are in so many things. If you want to understand this, please do look this up because it's so amazing how much we rely on the oil and gas industries for the plastics. And that if we're going to reduce the amount of oil and gas industry, we need to understand how much of our world is run by that industry, much larger than just what you put into your car. And so the final thing I want to say about cycles is our own cycles. A couple of podcasts ago, I talked about how it's about allowing ourselves to breathe in with new ideas, bring new ideas forward, nurture those dreams, bring them to fruition. And the second part of that cycle is owning what we have, owning what we've done. I've been reading the book, The Midnight Library, which is a lovely book. And the book is all about the book of regrets. What do you regret? And sometimes we get caught up in not only what have I not done yet, but regretting that even when we've done something, I wish it had turned out differently. Or I wish I'd done something in a different way. And I think the book really brings to mind about how we shouldn't live with regret. And that sometimes we don't always see straight exactly why we did something or what came out of that situation. And I really hope that you're not living with regret. And if you are, find a way of making peace with yourself. Because so often we get caught up in our own feelings of failure. I wish I'd done that because I'm not a very good person. Or I wish I'd been a better, I wish I'd tried harder or something. It's a lot of it is all about how we don't take care of ourselves, how we're not fair on ourselves. So when we're looking at the cycles of our life, let those cycles be connected to, I did it. And just as when we are taking food into our body and releasing the light, recognize that it is the light of wisdom that we receive from our experiences. So we take in an experience, we partake of that experience. But the most important part is, how did I grow? What did I learn? How did I expand myself? How do I know myself better? And that's the light, that light I'm talking about. What is the light of wisdom that's made you lighter, made you shine more, made you more compassionate towards yourself maybe and others? Because that's the complete cycle. It is not what you do in your life. It's what did you, how did you grow? How did you know yourself more fully? That's the complete cycle. 
So I hope you enjoy this new moon that's coming up. I hope you enjoy the cycles. And just remember, the biggest cycle we have, the easiest one, is breathing. Just let your breath come in and let your breath go out. And be aware of the fullness of your cycle, the fullness of your in-breath, the fullness of your out-breath. And know that all is well. Many blessings now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on YouTube. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of HeartSpeak.